I'm seeking for the help of the Lord. I direct your prayer for attention to Psalm 21 and reading for our text, verse 4. Psalm 21 and verse 4. He asked life of thee, and thou gavest it him, even length of days, for ever and ever. Psalm 21 and verse 4. Asking an example of our Lord. Psalm 21, a psalm of David, is also a messianic psalm. There are those things in it that make it very clear that this is by inspiration of God pointing to our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. Though David may in the first place be the king that is mentioned here, the king shall joy in thy strength, but really the whole must be pointed to our Lord Jesus Christ. This is a, a psalm in which we are told in our text, He, that is our Lord and Saviour, asked life of thee, and thou gavest it him, even length of days, forever and ever. And in what we read in John 17, we have the Lord making that intercessory prayer for his people. Our Lord walked the path of prayer. And the people of God also are to walk the path of prayer. He is our example and the answers to his cries that brought him from Calvary, brought him to be risen from the dead, is the same pattern for us as well. He is our great intercessor. He is our great example. And I want to look firstly at Jesus, our King, Head and Mediator. And then secondly, the life that was asked for and given. And thirdly, asking an example for us to follow. But firstly, our Lord Jesus Christ is good for us from time to time to really meditate and to dwell upon what the Lord is to the Church of God, to the people of God. What is the Lord uh, to us? He made in the word that he is the King of kings and Lord of lords. And when he came before Pilate, uh, Pilate asked him, Art thou a king then? And the Lord says, Thou sayest that I am a king. For this end was I born. For this purpose came I into the world. Uh, he might be a witness to the truth. That which was written over his cross. Uh, Jesus, the King of the Jews. And he is a king as having a kingdom. My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were... Of this world, then would my servants fight. 
The kingdom of God cometh not with observation, it is within you, a kingdom of which the Lord Jesus Christ is king. He rules, he reigns, and a blessed thing where we can say the Lord is our king. We are part of his kingdom. He rules over me. He rules and reigns in my heart. We think of how he is set forth as the head of the church of God, which is his body. Paul sets forth the body of the church, having its various parts, the arms and legs and feet, the parts of our natural bodies, all a part of that same body. We think of the anointing of Aaron and the anointing oil. It flowed from the head and it flowed down his garments, down through his body. It is through the Lord Jesus Christ that the people of God are glorified as in our natural bodies it is our head that supplies and really governs the whole body. There is our brains, there is our eyesight, there is our hearing, there is our smelling, there is our tasting. Uh, really everything of our bodies is governed by a head uh, and, and we are led to that, to look unto the Lord as our head. In 1 Corinthians 11, we have the headship set forth, God as the head, and then man, and then the woman, and or under God, the Lord Jesus Christ. We have the order in the Godhead. We have the order set in God's creation. And he is the head. He is over all. And we look to him to be supplied with everything. It is the Lord that is the sight of his people and the provider for his people. We think of that headship in the way of the church of God. He is the bridegroom and the church is his bride. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. In that sense, a beautiful illustration of the headship of Christ and the care and love that he has for his bride and for his church. And then we think of him as our mediator, as our intercessor in heaven, appearing in the presence of God for us, as our great high priest presenting himself, what he has done, his offering, his accepted offering. That beautiful prayer in John 17 uh, an illustration to us here below of that voice that still speaks for us in heaven's high court for good. And so the Lord Jesus Christ, what is he to us? In this psalm, he is referred to as the king. The king shall join thy strength, O Lord, or O Jehovah, in thy salvation, how greatly shall he rejoice. And our Lord and Saviour, in that great mystical union, truly God, truly man, and yet rejoicing in that plan 
of salvation in which he is the mediator, in which he is to suffer, how much more should those who are the recipients of life and the blessings that come through our Lord Jesus Christ should rejoice in, in that salvation. Thou hast given him his heart's desire. We've read of that desire of the Lord in John 17. Those blessings of those things that he asked, as in our text, he asked life of thee, and thou gavest it him even length of days for ever and ever. Well, our Lord Jesus Christ then is our King, is our Head, is our Mediator. He should be all in all to us, the altogether lovely, the eternal God that is our refuge, the rock of ages, the foundation of the Church of God, the first and the last, the author of our faith, the finisher of our faith. The Lord is everything to the church, to a believer. The whole of our salvation centres in him. Now I want then to look secondly at a life that was asked and given. Again, this that is upon my spirit for this evening. It is the, the, the asking and the example of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. That which the uh, Lord is said to ask in when we look at Hebrews chapter 5 and we read of his petitions that were offered up in the days of his flesh. Where it is said in verse 6, he saith also in another place, that thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death, and was heard in that he feared, though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. Being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. A beautiful way that set forth the author of eternal salvation. The author of that is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the beginner of it. He is the performer of it. He is the author and finisher of our faith. This is the Lord and his petitions, his, his cries. And we especially uh, have this in the Psalms, the very next Psalm, Psalm 22. The very petitions of the Lord upon the cross. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why hast thou, art thou so far from helping me? from the words of my roaring. And Psalm 22 is full of the petitions of the Lord, crying unto the Lord, Be not far from me, for trouble is near. There is none to help. There is none to help. With the Lord he must bear that punishment. He must endure 
the wrath of God. Uh, and then uh, we think there's Psalm 69 as well. Save me, O God. This is how the psalm begins. Save me, O God, for the waters are coming to my soul. I sink in deep mire where there is no standing. I'm coming to deep waters where the floods overflow me. It is this psalm. The zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. The disciples, when the Lord came and cast out the buyers and the sellers, they remembered this, this psalm, this that spake of him. And then later on, uh, they gave me gall for my meat, in verse 21. And in my thirst, they gave me vinegar to drink. These this psalm is the, the Lord and full of his petitions. We often say with the psalms, even for David and for the psalmist, sometimes we have like Psalm 34, again a messianic psalm, but we're told there what David was fearing of his life before Abimelech, uh, before the Philistines. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him, saved him out of all his troubles, Often we say in the book of Kings or Samuel or Chronicles, we read the things that were happening outside. And in the Psalms, we read what was going on inside in the soul and the cries and the prayers. Well, that applies to our Lord Jesus Christ as well. We, we read and we do hear his prayers upon the cross. We do know he spent whole nights in prayer. We do know... Now he prayed in the garden, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. We do know those things that were said in uh, Isaiah 53. Thou shalt see the travail of his soul and be satisfied. The groanings, the sighs, those things that went up from our Lord. And as we read in Hebrews, that he might be saved from death. It's easy for us to overlook that our Lord was truly man and truly God. Great mystery, but he knew what those sorrows of death were. The sorrows of death have compassed me. He entered into death. He endured these things. And so we find him in prayer and strong crying and praise, praying unto God. It wasn't a case of saying, well, I know, I know salvation is all ordered. I know I will be raised from the dead. Uh, I know that plan of salvation. Therefore, I don't need to cry and pray. It's not a sign that the Lord didn't believe the plan of the Godhead or the certainty of his resurrection. But he still cried and he still prayed. He walked through it. And the agony and the, of his soul, we are to look at these things. And we're not to think, well, there's some uncertainty here, some possibility that he should not rise from the dead. But the Lord is set before us as, Crying and praying is not just, not a fatalistic spirit, not a spirit of saying, well, this is all, all settled and done. 
we just go through it. No, this is set before us in the Word. The agonies, the wrestlings, the cryings unto the Lord. He asked life of thee. How much was bound up in that that he might have life? He was given life. He became a man, took on him flesh. And we only have set before us here that life you can't take away the Godhead. You can't destroy God. God cannot die. But the God-man, the Lord Jesus Christ, he was capable of laying down his life by a willful act of his own. He did not have to die because he was sinless and spotless. And though under the law, yet the law would not hold him personally because he was not guilty of breaking it personally. But as he bore his people's sins, then he could, he says, I have power to lay down my life and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received from my Father. And yet, and the mystery of it, as he is going through it, the real agonies, the real experience of death, the real need of life and to be given life and to be brought up from the grave and to fulfil that in Hebrews that uh, he was heard in that he feared and those strong cries and strong tears a risen saviour because I live ye shall live also a life then that is set forth here a life that was asked for and a life that was given in the first place was his his own his own human life that which had been given him that is what he asked for and that is what is set before the church has been given a risen saviour risen from the dead his petitions answered but then he has the petitions for his people and we read of them I pray for them. I not. I pray not for the world, but for them whom Thou hast given me. I pray for them which shall believe on me through their name, through their word. <clears throat> and He makes intercession for His people, and He prays for them also that they might have life, that they might have it more abundantly. That is why He came. I give unto them eternal life they shall never perish neither shall any man pluck them out of mine hand when Paul writes to both the Ephesians and also the Colossians he speaks of the life being uh, bound up uh, with his people Christ's life his people's life And so in Ephesians chapter 2, we read in verse 5 that even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ. 
Nor time the emphasis is together with Christ. Because I live, you shall also live. And it is buried with him by baptism into death, risen again in newness of life. And it is a union with Christ, fellowship with Christ. And what he has done and what he has accomplished at Calvary is for his people and on behalf of his people, his rising from the dead is that they might have life. And we have the same in, in Colossians. And Paul writes to them, he says in again chapter 2 and verse 13, And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together or made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. And there is joining together the quickening, the giving of life, spiritual life, and that that life is inseparably joined with the Lord Jesus Christ and it is joined with forgiveness of sins where the Lord gives life, where he makes one to feel their sinnership, feel their need of the Saviour, to seek unto him for life, where he makes that soul that once was indifferent and carnal and dead and unfeeling and unconcerned, and when he makes that person concerned and have lines and desires and feelings that they never had before, that life is inseparably joined with the Lord Jesus Christ. It doesn't come from our old nature. We are dead. We are dead in trespasses and sins. The dead know not anything. But when the dead who were dead start to know things and feel things and that they have the groanings, desires and realisations of what they are, they're no longer dead. They live. They have been made alive by the Lord and that is joined with the Lord. And so the Apostle is, is very clear uh, that that joining together with Christ in his death, his sufferings, his rising again, his petitions for life for him was petitions for life for his people. If Christ had not risen from the dead, none of his people would rise from spiritual death either. They are bound up together. And so we <clears throat> read in John chapter 14, and verse 16, I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that, shall, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. The intercession of the Father, tarry at Jerusalem, until ye be endued with power from on high. The quickening operation and work of the Holy Spirit is to bring truth into the soul. Truth about ourselves, truth about our sin, truth about the Lord Jesus Christ, truth about the way of salvation, truth about our interest in Christ and what he has done for us, bearing witness 
to his death for us, his rising for us, and bearing witness and giving us an, an earnest, a token of that eternal life, because that eternal life, it begins here below. It begins in the soul and in the heart. So the life that our Lord asked was not just his, but that with his people too, is a binding up together. And our Lord's death and resurrection is the seal God hath given assurance unto all men in that he hath raised him from the dead. And the Lord will raise from the dead, spiritual dead, every one of his dear people. And this here, the life that he was given here, and the life that he gives to his children, is in answer to his prayers, to his intercession. It is his will. And can we think then, well, here is the Lord so earnest crying for his life and receiving that life, the intercession that he makes for his people, that also, we may say, is as earnest, but we know that that is what he gives also to his children. And... I want to look at that in the third place, asking as an example for us to follow. Can we look upon the Lord in all of his petitions and can we think of him as our mediator, our intercessor in heaven and that we think that there is no part in it at all of which we are to ask our Lord in John 16 he says uh, to his uh, people in, the, in this way in John 16 verse 24 hitherto have ye why well, if we read from the previous verse in that day ye shall ask me nothing verily verily I say unto you Whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. Hitherto have ye asked nothing in my, my name. Ask and ye shall receive, that your joy may be full. It's a blessed thing to be encouraged and to be brought into that path of asking. You might say, but, but we need the, the Holy Spirit to help. If, if prayer is not indicted by the Spirit, then the Lord will not hear us. But then we read the Lord saying in Luke chapter 11, he says in verse 9, I say unto you, ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, 
will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? Then we read this, If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? And there we have one that feels the need of the Holy Spirit, asking for the Holy Spirit and the assurance that our Heavenly Father will give the Holy Spirit. And really, the, the, the proof of it is, it is the Spirit that is given the need of the Spirit, that's brought the feeling that the need of the power and the Lord will be inquired of by the house of Israel to do it for them. We read of those in Hebrews who embrace the promises afar off. In a way, this here is a promise to be embraced. A soul feeling to lack the spirit, feeling earthbound and hard and cold and prayerless. And yet, he is the Lord saying this, Ask your heavenly Father for the Holy Spirit. You know, the Lord says in John chapter 5, of a people that would not come unto him that they might have life. He says of the Jews, the scribes, the Pharisees, those that were round about him, search the scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me, and ye will not come to me that ye might have life. What a solemn thing. He said to them, I receive not honour from men, but I know that you, that ye have not the love of God in you. I am come in my Father's name, and ye receive me not. If another shall come in his own name, him ye will receive. And it's a blessed thing to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and come unto him for life. You might say, but we need life to come unto him. But the evidences of life is coming to the Lord for life. It's a blessed thing where a poor sinner feels so lifeless and cold and dead. And the first works of the Spirit are to show us what we are by nature, what we are without God, what we are without the Spirit. And then to lead one to look for life in Christ, to come to him for it, to seek for life there. It is through the word of God and through the preaching that a poor sinner in corruption's pit, one that's far off, they see and hear that word that raises up hope for them, that doesn't speak of works, that doesn't speak of good in them, but speaks of life graciously given by the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit to work that in them. And may we have those askings and may we think of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we might say, well, it is all determined, we know there is an election, they shall believe, they must come, and those truths are as certain as what it was that Christ should come and rise again from the dead. 
that the Lord will be inquired of by the house of Israel to do it for them. How many times have we come before the Lord and our prayer is, Lord, do this for me. Grant me life. Grant me prayer. Grant deliverance from the power and dominion of sin, the love of sin. Work in me to will and to do of thy good pleasure. Oftentimes we, we don't actually put into words. We, we, we don't ask. You know, when the Lord was passing by a blind man and he was crying out, the Lord knew what he needed. The Lord knew what he wanted. But he stopped and he asked him, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? He drew out from him so that the blind man said that I might receive my sight. May the Lord draw it out from you, from me. What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? And that we have these petitions. That dear man, he cried out. It was such an invitation, an opportunity from the, from the Lord to be said. What will thou? Dear friends, sometimes we might have lots of petitions and they've all been bottled up. And the Lord comes in in effect. He says this, what wilt thou? And he pour out, pour out all those things you've desired. All those things you've tried to pray for before but couldn't. As if the heavens had been as brass. But then you find that time of prayer. And those heavens are taken down and you have that access. And you have that sweetness. And you know. The Lord has heard your petitions. It's a blessed thing. When the soul is able to embrace that word that he is able to do exceeding far abundantly above all that we can ask or even think. Paul tells the Ephesians this in Ephesians 3. But may we have the Lord as our example. And we be of those that come before the Lord, not with elaborate prayers, but simple prayers, asking prayers, those that want the Lord to do something for them. He asked life of thee, and thou gavest it him, even length of days forever. And ever eternal life, eternal life in our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. May we be held to go from the Lord's house tonight asking with large petitions to the Lord. And the Lord 
Give to you each those petitions and fulfil those petitions. Well, may the Lord add his blessing. Amen.